Welcome to Cloudlandia. Mr. Sullivan. Mr. Jackson. There he is. I have been recreating. <laughs> That's what you do when you take recreation. Is that what you've been recreating? Okay. <laughs> I was I recreating. Actually recreating, I guess. Yeah. 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 It, it was good. I mean, we hadn't, uh, I, you know, I was trying to think, but I don't know when in my life, and I'm talking about my entire life. Wow. That I All not, nearly 77 not, years. Yeah. I've not been in a car ride of more than an hour. And I haven't done it for five and a half months. So this was our first um, car trip. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, this, um, and uh, you know, I, I go into the city, but that's about 25 minutes. No, at mm -hmm. most it's 25 minutes. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, this was like, you know, three hours one way, three hours the other way. And it was odd. It was really odd. I, I felt yeah. that I was getting used to new, something new here. Because that's I've really, been, um, I've been home based. Uh, me too. You know, I realized that uh, at the end of March, there or for March, that was. Uh, I realized since the shutdown, I have not been more than ninety minutes by car away from my Four mm -hmm. Seasons Valhalla outpost on the mainland. Yeah. But yeah. in Cloudlandia, I've been all over the globe many times. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. No, I haven't been around all around the world as much um, as over the last year. You know, I mean, I've been. Right. You know, um, I mean, where I'm connecting with people, you know, um, you know, from all over the world. I've never had a year like this you know it's it's interesting and i'm trying to um in strategic coach in the 10 times program and in the free zone program i'm i'm endeavoring there's a word don't use too often i'm endeavoring uh, endeavoring to have people appreciate the significance of the last 12 months that they don't mm -hmm. decide by it decide by it and Kind of say, well, you know, we'll get this behind us. And I said, you know, if you treat this properly, it can be the most unusual year in your life in terms of your entrepreneurial future. Yes, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Because now it's, I've read the latest uh, things that uh, there's only 7% of the U.S. population is not on the internet now. 93% adoption. 93% have migrated to Cloudlandia. Yeah. Do you know what it was uh, before COVID? I do not. I, I, I wish be, I did. It'd be interesting to see what, um, yeah. because it, it's probably the biggest one-year jump uh, mm -hmm. since the very first years when you got all the early adapters. You really have to be shunning society to... to uh, choose not to make the migration. Yeah. One I of two things. So. It's uh, one of two things. It's deliberate. Like you're a mm -hmm. hermit. You're like you're a committed hermit. Yes. Or, or you're really clueless. 
Well, and overwhelmingly, that those were the two things. So overwhelmingly, the uh, characteristics or, or you know makeup of the seven percent are overwhelmingly sixty-five and over, overwhelmingly high school or less education, and overwhelmingly the lowest income um, earners. So there it is. That's that's and probably. Probably rural too. Yeah. Well, I wonder what the global. Uh, I wonder what the global migration is. Well, it seems to me that cell phone use would be the first um, <clears throat> indicator. I mean, if you were well, your you cell phone, the, you're in. Yeah. If you got a smartphone, you got a smartphone, you're in. I mean, that's yeah, but really... what I'm saying is perhaps oh. the first purchase that someone mm-hmm. around the world would make that would introduce them to the internet is um, is probably uh, their own cell phone. Yes, that's true. As opposed to their own computer. Yeah. Well, their own cell phone. What uh, for the? Uh, have you heard that this smartphone that you have is more powerful than? the all the computing power that uh bill gates or uh bill clinton had when he took office mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean we're holding that in our hands we've got more capabilities than he had to run the free mm-hmm. world you know i'm not sure that That's... was one of his big future future goals <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I think I think he had big goals, but I'm not sure the making use of the internet is one of them. <laughs> so have you gotten I mean, you know, you think about the I saw the um headlines are, are roughly about American Airlines is declaring everything kind of back now and they're opening up they're putting all the planes into service and opening up the old routes. And because I think we're at close to uh, 90 million vaccinated right now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or so. Are you among the 90 million yet? Well, <clears throat> I'm um, among the far less than 90, uh, 90 million in Canada. Uh-huh. Uh, um so I'm uh, last Wednesday. I got my first Pfizer shot, okay. and Babs got hers yesterday. Uh, okay. So we're, but they have like a four month in between first and second shot. In four months because of, yeah. Well, oh. they've uh, you know they've been um, oh to rash or whatever. They've uh-huh. really no, they've really been asleep at the wheel. And, okay. And, yeah, and. <clears throat> and um, I think in this crossover from mainland to Cloudlandia, um, the higher you go in leadership in any institution, uh, the higher the level of incompetence. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 (laughs) I just, uh, we just got in Florida. Now we're 50, uh, or actually, now they they're down now to forty, forty and above. You can get the uh, the mm-hmm. vaccine. So yeah, well, Florida's moving right ahead. I mean, it's um, 
<laughs> certainly one one of the best led states during this period of time. Yeah, you know that that's what's an interesting thing is to see the media. Um, you know, that's the sentiment is different than the reporting because the mm-hmm. reporting would lead that it's one of the most recklessly led mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. states, right? The wild Reckl- frontier. <clears throat> the definition of reckless, uh, people who don't pay any attention to what we're saying. Right. <laughs> that's, right. <laughs> that's right. They're reckless. Yes. Anyone who doesn't pay attention to what I say is a, by definition, a reckless person. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Now it's, a, it's one of those deep thoughts of what is wreck? Because if you're reckless, I've never heard anybody talk about exercising wreck. Yeah, because it's not, it's not W-R-E-C-K. It's no. R-E-C-K. Yeah. 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 It's one of those. I wonder. Uh, all I wonder. Questions. I wonder what having wreck means. That's what I mean. I've never heard of anybody <laughs> say, now that guy's got wreck. Yeah. yeah he's exercising wreck. great wreck. Yeah, he's wreckful. He's wreckful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dan. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> well, are there's you going person, to... Uh, there's, a person, there's a person you could admire for his wreckfulness. <laughs> his wreckfulness. <laughs> oh, my it could, goodness. Uh, it could even be a title. Uh, uh, welcome your wreckful. Wreck, you know, like uh, highness or holiness. You know, you can, mm. recklessness, uh, his recklessness will be arriving in a half hour. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I think reckful people are ones who tattle on their neighbors. Oh, yeah. Hey, you know, I've been test driving the uh, VCR formula. Ah, with uh, Yes, I've been test driving with different... Uh, in different conversations and it is um i'll tell you it's it's amazing it's kind of like i what i'm noticing about myself is i'm it's almost like learning to fly without gravity kind of thing like you were saying there's no mm-hmm. no gravity in uh cloudlandia that when i realized that I had a really interesting um, day on uh, Thursday. I was I went and drove down to um, Arcadia, Florida, which is about an hour and ten minutes from me south. So I was almost like the farthest that I've uh, been, and it had. Uh, is this is this on the coast? No, no. Arcadia is right down the middle. It's uh, oh. south of, of me in the middle of nowhere, basically. I have a client. It's kind of ranch, it's kind of ranch country down there, isn't it? So that's exactly what it is. They have the big ranches. That's exactly what it is. That there are huge ranches yes. in the middle of Florida, yeah. like some yeah, of the yeah. biggest in the United States. Yeah, the middle yeah. of Florida is like the, and it's beautiful. Like at yeah. sunset and sunrise and things, it's like the Serengeti is what it looks like. Like that yeah. sort of, uh, as far as you can see, lots of nothing, you know, and that's, it's beautiful. Lots of ranches. Yeah. And, um, uh, but anyway, I have a client who, who lives in 
Fort Myers, which is about two and a half hours away from me. And we decided to split the difference and meet in Arcadia at a mm-hmm. local little diner, which was lovely. Um, but we, you know, was sharing the whole, the, the VCR formula laying out like, cause we're looking at a collaboration as to how we can, um, you know, collaborate on in our unique abilities and, mm-hmm. and with some other, um, with some other people. He's got an interesting part of the, the puzzle. And I was laying out the, it's creating new economic models of things mm-hmm. of how to, this is why I'm kind of excited about the potential of the blockchain to have mm-hmm. smart contracts like this, but to think mm-hmm. about allocations, like sitting, having things where if we take the whole revenue, the whole dollar that's going to be generated through our collaboration um, of the, what parts of this are, um, how do you break down contribution or, or um, attribution or the um, you know, share of, of revenue on something like that? And I, know, I wanted to get your take on it because I know you're sort of thinking in a pure collaboration is that there, it's not about splitting um, money or um, takes, but I would love to get your take on that. I'll, I'll share with you how I looked at it. Yeah. We'll use a contrast then. Yeah, we well, I'll at, use, um, you know, I'll use my pre-zone, uh, you know, some of my pre-zone yeah. criteria, uh, yeah. you know, what constitutes a pre-zone collaboration. And this, yes. I think we're talking about the same thing here. And yeah. I always say that there has to be an agreement on the end of the collaboration. In other words, uh-huh. you're projecting a collaboration into the future. And yes. um, a couple of things strike me that it's either interesting or it's not interesting. There's something new being created through the collaboration. In other words, that you have something to contribute and the other person has something to contribute. Yes. But you're you're not simply trading what you have for what that person has. You're putting together what you have with what the other person has to create a first yes. thing. So, mm-hmm. and it has to be a value creation proposition. In other words, it's um, the first. Your first thought about it is that this creates some kind of new value in the marketplace, and then there has to be agreement that you want to be this new value to be for the benefit of the same kind of person that you want to be a hero to, that you want to be a hero to someone in the marketplace. They mm-hmm. want to be here, and it's the same person, and you're creating mm-hmm. a new value creation. Mm-hmm. And and if those things are in agreement, then you work backwards. So, so you have, okay, value creation, right, new value creation, number two, um, 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 uh, uh, benefits a particular type of customer, you know, mm-hmm. recipient in the marketplace. And then you work backwards. and um, 
the, the interesting thing is if you have agreement on both of those, um, um, you can even do kind of, a, as far as the deal goes, you can be conditional. Let's, um, you know, you could you could make it. Well, let's um, in the first six months, let's put it together and let's create the new value form and let's benefit um, ten people. You know, ten people. Okay, mm-hmm. so you make it conditional, and then let's just see how the money um, gets generated because you mm-hmm. you really don't know at the start um, what the actual cash flow looks like as you put right. the two things together. You, you actually don't know. Right. You know, and so my sense is, and uh, both of you are okay with that because you're excited that you have agreement on those two points, mm-hmm. those two points, you know. And then uh, I think that who not how applies in both way in, in both instances that mm-hmm. uh, you're not doing a how that you don't like doing and they're not doing a how that they don't like doing. Right. You, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's exactly, I mean, that lays it down. However, there, there's two, um, you know, essentially, uh, I will have no interaction with the, with the client, with the, the new, the beneficiary of the, uh, you know, yeah. the new collaboration. It's for him, for his, uh, um, you know, a new so basically what i i've got an i've got a scale ready algorithm that delivers new clients to his business yep right like as the before unit and so i don't want to be in that business i don't want to no. be anything to do with those i want to be invisible in that business basically mm-hmm. um and, but he can really benefit from this. Yeah. Um, and so we were breaking down the, because I've done a lot of thinking about it in other arrangements that I've had of tying the, um, tying to almost a, um, putting some, putting value on the intellectual property. Yeah. And there's an interesting thing. I thought, Dan, this is an interesting thing. Uh, I want to, as a sidebar, talk about the difference between intellectual capital and intellectual property. Have you thought that through? Or well, first of all, IP is a legal term, and you know, yeah. uh, that's it's embedded in law. Yeah. Okay. Uh, into uh, cap intellectual capital is. More in, uh, I would say it's more in the area of um, it's. Uh, if I'm looking at the VCR, intellectual capital is more in the area of uh, a, read- a readily usable capability. Mm-hmm. Okay. I agree. In other words, that yeah. it's uh, it's uh, job ready. In other words, anytime you want to utilize this. There's yes. nothing to develop as far as the um, capability yes. of it. Capability right. of it. Yeah, so That's I, what I've but, found. But I would say that your intellectual capital is um, uh, protected and enhanced by the degree that you 
embedded in intellectual property law. That's I and, think that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, first of all, it gives assurance to the other person that yeah. uh, you're actually the originator, so he's not going to. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know that there's no, there's not going to be any blowback to the other person if they use your capability because you are the right. originator and you own yeah. it. And uh, and the other thing is that um, it's for the other person's use, but it's not for the other person's ownership. Right, that's true, and that's the interesting thing is that I thought that that when I was thinking about it, that I have a lot of intellectual capital that yeah. because we talked about when I was looking through doing my, my VCR assets, mm -hmm. I was looking, you know, on page after page after page of all the algorithms that I have that are ready to be deployed kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, but none of, uh, fewer of them, as true intellectual property out, yeah. you know, earning on, on its own kind of thing. That's a, uh, so I think that's the thing is turning the intellectual capital into intellectual property is a, is a good, uh, yeah. Well, <clears throat> my sense is, uh, that there may be an, uh, an immediate, um, shortcut to this. Because my contention is if um, the non-fungible uh, non fungible asset or non-fungible tokens, uh, to uh, token, NFT, token, doesn't yeah, do well, any, token doesn't do anything for me, but, uh, right. you know, uh, um, yeah. non-fungible asset really does. Uh -huh. That's really what it is. It's an asset. Right. And, uh, and, uh, uh, and it's proven. It's, uh, you can prove that it's unique, you know, uh, using a lot of actually the thinking that goes into intellectual property law, you know, mm -hmm. like, uh, um, um, when it became official, when it was created, when it was, uh, deployed, uh, is a very, very crucial, uh, very mm -hmm. crucial part of doing it. But then, um, I'm just, um, uh, scouting around for this quarter, to see what the process is for doing this. In other words, uh, which blockchain and which, um, you know, which block, because there's, there's a lot of blockchains around. A lot of people don't know this. And for oh, the, okay. for the knowledge of the, you know, our listeners here that a blockchain is a new, an entirely new digital process by which, uh, the uh, unique, um, originality of anything can be uh, um, logged into a record and the record is called the blockchain the blockchain is and that is it's put into a vast stream of connected records uh, and you once it's logged in there you can't change anything in your record unless you changed all the other records um, mm -hmm. Which is possible, which is possible, but it's, uh, 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 why don't you just go rob a bank? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Robbing a bank would probably be than, <clears throat> right. uh, than, than stealing the originality out of, out of the blockchain. And uh, when I say there's a lot of blockchains around, 
they're being used in various um, industries. For example, the diamond industry. Uh, you can now, when you walk into a reputable jeweler, say, I want to see the provenance of this particular diamond. And uh-huh. if he, he's up to date with the jewelry industry, he or she should be able to say, here's the complete blockchain record of this, of where it was mined, when it was mined, under what circumstances it was mined, how it was processed, and how it was, and who has owned it along the line that is sitting right here in this shop. And uh, and you can do this with wines, you can do this with uh, artwork, and uh, yeah. more and more, I think it's it's starting to move towards all the other areas that we call intellectual property. Okay, because that's yeah. really what intellectual property is. I mean, yeah, uh, it's you have a, a copyright, you have a, you know, you have a trademark, you have a patent, you have right. a particular design that's called trade design, and you have what are called trade secrets, trade secrets yes. that you, you don't make public. But which you can actually verify, um, you know, um, and legally. You can actually, you know, embed these that they have legal legal standing. So anyway, uh-huh. um, like the kernels, eleven herbs and spices, right? Well, the the Coke formula is obviously yes. a trade a trade secret, you know. Yes. Uh-huh. And um, and um, um, yeah, so. Anyway, uh, you know, there's all sorts of formulas, probably, that uh, nobody wants to make public, but it's important for them to um, have them verified um, as original in case some sort of theft, attempted theft, uh, happens and they can bring to bear, you know, that they have a starting point for this. Yeah, so mm-hmm. this is actually, it's very, very interesting. Uh, the Supreme Court case that's most being looked forward to in the United States right now, and this will be June, the ruling will come out, is the original 20,000 lines of um, oh, code, yeah. program, programming code that um, Oracle uh, claims were stolen from them by uh, by Google. The original Google, and this is the beginning of the search engine, the Google search engine. So everything yeah. in the world that we know Google for uh, uh, is that it could be at contention here in this court case. You know uh, that, uh, uh, and uh, it would be interesting. One, if the court rules in Oracle's favor, and two. What kind of damages are? Uh, are I was declared? just going to say, how would they even calculate that? Oh, well, you can calculate, you can calculate anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much? How much money has Google made since they uh, purportedly? It's because it's uh, contentious that they purportedly mm-hmm. stole, and and by Oracle's point of view, uh, misused. Uh, yeah. The original twenty thousand lines of um, twenty thousand lines of uh, programming copy. So, I mean, it's a big, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Wasn't there some sort of controversy about the same thing with uh, with Bill Gates years ago with the graphic basic... user interface? Yeah, something like that. What was that all about? Too? 
Yeah, well, first of all, uh, the graphic user interface uh, was a huge breakthrough for computers because it meant that uh, uh, you could have hundreds of millions of computer, um, you know, skilled computer users who didn't uh-huh. need to know any code. They didn't know right. need to know any code. Uh, and uh, that was the great claim in, uh, you know, the 1970s, I remember, he said that you better get to school and learn how to code because if you want, if you don't learn how to code, you won't be able to use one of these them these them computers. You know. Oh yeah. All the, all the all the every person that you can remember who couldn't get a date, a male who couldn't get a date, was heading in that direction because they wanted uh-huh. to accumulate a sense of superiority over all the other males who kicked dirt in their face and uh, yeah. females that um, rejected them, rejected them. And uh, as it happened, there was a research laboratory um, uh, financed by Xerox called PARC, P-A-R-C, as Palo Alto Research Center in Palo Alto, California, right in uh-huh. the center of, and um, they had um, said, you know, Remembering all these codes or learning all these codes is just a huge obstacle. Why don't we create something where all you have to do is click? You know, all mm. you have to do is, you know, you just have to click on your uh, spacebar or click on your, you know, on your forward yeah. or your uh, delete and you'll yeah. do it. And, but this was developed by Park. And um, so the story goes that um, someone, an intermediary between Steve Jobs and the head person at Park introduced Steve Jobs and and they wanted to show him this innovation. And this was in the very early days. I mean, you're, you're talking, you know, you're talking about the late seventies, early eighties. So this is, you know, when, um, you know, Apple was to Steve, you know, is Steve, uh, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. And so they uh-huh. were, uh, they were, Still, more or less operating out of uh, the original garage or a bigger garage, you know. And uh, he he wanted to get ahead of the game, and so he went over and so This is sort of uh, one of those apocryphal stories, you know, apocryphal in the sense that it's true enough that it makes the point, and yeah. uh, that he showed him the, the graphic user interface, and. He he just sat there and he shook his head and he says, "No, nah, I can't see this going anywhere. No, 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 I just don't. Yeah. Well, I, I hope you're having fun working on this project because I just can't see it. Seeing, uh, just can't see it going anywhere. And then trying to get out of that building as fast as he could back to his own building and." You know, and <laughs> yeah, wow, <laughs> and, and, and you know, actually doing what <laughs> he had just seen, and mm-hmm. then uh, uh, so then the original, I think it was the uh, Mac Two. I think the Mac Two came out with us the original Mac. Uh, yeah, because wasn't he Mac then had, found the uh, the mouse? That was the big thing. Mm-hmm. Was they uh, they stolen from somewhere else? Stolen from somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, so much stealing going on there, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then, uh, of course, um, Gates, not being really, uh, uh, Gates was a programmer. So he immediately understood the, the value of it. And um, and he had just um, worked out the deal with IBM where uh, IBM was only interested in hardware. And he said, well, we'll take the software MS-DOS. You know, Microsoft DOS was the um, was the thing, and he got ownership of that. And he says, "Now I've got the key to the world," but he still had a problem. It was still based on coding, and yeah. uh, so and then uh, the early Macs came out, and he looked at them. And he said, "Well, they're not going anywhere." He said, "They'll just steal what they're doing," you know. And um, you know, and that ended up in the Supreme Court, and. Uh, uh, neither Jobs or um, Gates got any satisfaction out of it because uh, what came up is that it was actually um, a Xerox. You know, if anybody owned it, it was Xerox. And Xerox mm-hmm. um, didn't make their money on court cases. They didn't make their money on technology. They made their money on ink. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, so funny. they didn't. They they. And they they uh, spawned an incredible amount of technology. I think Park Laboratories and Bell Labs probably sparked the most creativity that went into the um, yeah. internet, the beginning of the internet. I mean, Bell was probably the greatest research. Bell Labs, greatest technological research in the history of humanity. Yeah. There Over, was a like, documentary a about them, I think, called... Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, maybe it wasn't, but I think it was called something magic, um, practical magic, maybe or something. But it was talking about some of the things that they they uh, invented, but were way ahead of their time and didn't find the commercial uh, um, application. Yeah, well, you know, uh, there's a there's a very very big issue here about they're not allowing these way ahead of their time innovations to get out in the marketplace because the point of their labs, um, not the whole point, because I don't think anything has just one point to it or one purpose to it, but one of the uh, things of their lab was to send out, you know, smell out possible future comp- competition that could under undermine what the big thing was. They had this yeah. nationwide nationwide telephone system and they controlled mm-hmm. the, uh, they controlled all the delivery. They controlled all the installation. They controlled all the equipment. They controlled yes. all the service uh, servicing. And part of their worry was that something would come along and uh, it would disrupt them. You know, it would disrupt them, just like the telephone disrupted the telegraph. And uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and one of the big points about antitrust law is that it's going to get expanded. I think probably in and uh, probably certainly in the next twenty years, which in mm-hmm. you know legal the legal world is in a long period of time. That it's been antitrust law has been narrowed down to just that you know that somebody is um, uh, in a trust situation. They have a trust monopoly 
if now they control the entire uh, they control the entire industry and they're raising consumer prices so it's all come down to one issue are are consumers having to pay more for this because somebody has a monopoly i got gotcha. you uh-huh. yeah but the or real are issue- they benefiting and getting less because of that like I, you would argue you know amazon i think they could you know, you could get into that situation that mm-hmm. Amazon is on its way to creating a um, industry monopoly. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. they, have a, mm-hmm. they have a complete sector monopoly, and um, you know, and but what's and, their sector? It's physical goods. I mean, <laughs> when you look at the, um, well, it's I mean, but then, yeah, it's yeah, retailing. exactly. Yeah, it's retailing. Yeah, here here's where they cross over the line, though. They uh, they carefully observe everything that's being uh, uh, retailed on Amazon, and if they see something they like, they create their own they create their own product. They reverse engineer what someone else is doing, and then they go in competition with them. And uh, I I I think that. That should be forbidden. That you, you can be the platform or you can be the producer, but you can't be both. Right. Interesting. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's like Facebook. Uh, you can be a platform or you can be uh, a publisher. Mm-hmm. Publishers can censor. Platforms yes, can exactly. censor. It would be, be like the electric company um, right, that's know, what that I you, felt that, about uh, that you Twitter. have in winter. That you uh, that you have in Winter Haven. You know that mm-hmm. you're in Winter Haven, and mm-hmm. um, and the electric company, the company that provides the power to your house, uh, yes. starts lo- looking at some of your online comments. They could be listening to um, "Welcome to Cloudlandia," and they say, uh-huh. "We don't like their." mindset. We don't like their politics. So we're going to cut Mr. Jackson off. Mr. Jackson, you know, his neighbors can get it, but Mr. Jackson, we don't like how he's thinking about things. Well, that's being a publisher and treating the the electric grid like you're a publisher and be like an airline saying uh, this is strictly for one political affiliation or another. I'm sorry, we we don't allow, if you vote this way, you can't fly on our airline. Well, no, you can't do that if you if you have a platform. Did you see that? Um, you know, speaking of third uh, party things like that, is uh, little Nas X uh, Nike just got an injunction against yeah. the third party yeah. that designed the little Nas X Satan shoe, and yeah. yeah I- this whole thing was uh, came out of left field, but uh, the company uh, Mischief that did the the design is a th- sort of separate from from Nike. They just use those yeah, Nike mischievous. shoes, yeah, yes, in mischievous ways. <laughs> yeah, yes, and that's a that's a really uh, yeah. But talk about getting reach. I mean, well, I just, well first of all, curious. I think that they've, um, if they had done this five years ago, it might not have uh, made the stink 
um, you know, that yeah. is making. But right now, things are hypersensitive politically. Oh, and uh, and Nike's sure. got enough. Nike's got enough on his plate right now. Yeah. What is favoring and what is, um, you know, what is sort of they've become very political in the last. Starting with Kaepernick, I think the Kaepernick thing. Yeah. Started it. And uh, so uh, they can say, you know, it's six hundred and sixty-six shoes. I'm sorry. What yeah. were the numbers that you used? Six. Right. Six? Exactly. Well, yeah. Uh, yep. Uh, and uh, you know, and you know, the whole point is, uh, I, I mean, I just uh, well, he's what nineteen, twenty years old. So what's he know about? You know what's going right. on in the world. You know. So yeah. Uh, so so my sense is the timing was bad. You know, the timing was bad because. Uh, um, you know, in life, you 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 either learn the lesson or you'll be the lesson. Right. Yeah, that's just such a. Um, yeah, well, it's it seems like a. Um, yeah, it's it's weird to see how how in the spotlight he was a year ago you know, literally. And you could see that sort of fading a little bit in that it wasn't the forefront. This new material wasn't being as, you know, it's hard to, hard to beat coming out of the gate with the number one song in history. And then this, I did a little, um, do you ever go to Google trends? just yeah. as a fun mm-hmm. yeah. tool and mm-hmm. you can do a relative search um, index, see what, what people are searching, you know, or what, what the popularity of something and what uh, I went to look at was I just put little Nas X in to see, and it shows you over the last two years, the, trend like you could see the spikes of Lil Nas X all through last year but this is on the relative uh the relative strength of the relative uh index is huge spike in searching uh search terms of now who is this Lil Nas X you know that now where it was the kids searching for Lil Nas X when the song was popular. Now it's the parents and, and cancel culture searching who's this Lil Nas X now. Feels like. But the the popularity, I mean, that's what um that's why we you know, I thought about that with Nike when they came when they signed uh Colin Kaepernick. Kaepernick. Yeah. The yeah, the um all the the publicity that came from that, right? Yeah, and the, and the thing is, uh, I think in both cases, both Cal, Colin Kaepernick and Lil Nas X, uh, they're they're kind of innocence caught in a big war. You know, they got yeah. they're, they're in no man's territory between. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, two sides that are really starting to polarize. 
and uh, you know the world's starting to polarize. And you know what it's like? It's kind of like all those actors and screenplay writers in the late 1940s who uh, thought it was kind of the blacklist. Cool to kind of, it was kind of cool to belong to the local communist party and have conversations about that. And then yeah. they just got caught. And it, I mean, they could do it with impunity in, uh, you know, uh, the second world during the second world war, because uncle Joe was like our ally, you know? Yeah. 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 Then, Isn't they got, that... then they caught, got caught right in the middle of the no man's land. I mean, you know, you never want to be, there's Cloudlandia and there's the mainland, but there's an in between that you don't want to get caught in between. Right, right. <laughs> you don't want to get caught in between, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're without gravity. You're you're with gravity, but in the wrong place. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I didn't think about that. The ally in the forties. Like I wondered what because I always thought about that. As the fifties was the blacklisting and the um, well, the it started the Hollywood in the late, stuff, so. uh, yeah, certain late forties, and then okay. the, the uh, McCarthy was, um, you know, he was in, came up, and he had this committee, you know, which was the um, um, non-American, you know, non-American committee, the House like Un-American uh, Activities. Committee, was, right. Well, that was that was the House. He was a senator, so they had oh, okay. a, kind of a, they had the, kind of the same thing in the Senate, and mm-hmm. um, you know, and it was just when television was getting big. Yeah, you know, so he caught television. There was the Cold War, uh, and uh, who are all these? Um, who are all these Hollywood people anyway? These Hollywood, yeah. you know, Hollywood writers and. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, you know, and they were mostly naive. They were incredibly naive. You know that uh, it gave them. You know, they they all grouped together, and they all you know, uh, and uh, and uh, you know, there were camps actually, communist camps where they sent their children. You know, around Los Angeles and everything. And I said, you know. Uh, I remember um, who was it? It was one. Well, it was Reagan. I think it was Reagan, and Reagan was invited to one of these, um, you know, gatherings. It would be like a social gathering at someone's house, but then it mm-hmm. would get around to it would get around to the serious talk, and he walked out. He walked out, and he said, "This is dangerous for me, and this is dangerous for the country." and Reagan went from a arch Democrat. He was the head of the Actors Union, and he said, "Yeah, we've got to, we've got to we've got to root this out, you know, and everything like that." So that's how Reagan started. Reagan was he was a you know he was a lifetime Democrat. He was a lifetime right. you know he was he represented the actors and uh, you know and um, every and he was the head of the union and. Uh, and he said, "We gotta, we gotta keep our union free." So he started the whole process of getting these people out of the actors' union. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really, really interesting. 
And this is why, you know, people say politics isn't important. And I said, that's like saying the weather's not important. Yeah, right. <laughs> it just is. The weather's not important, right? Yeah, wow. it doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect me at all. And I said, well, <laughs> yeah, well, I'll keep it in mind. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. That's funny. Yeah, that's like being, uh, you know, that's like being. Where, where do the hurricanes usually come ashore in in uh, in uh, Florida, west side or east side? They can come either side. Uh, yeah, they come. We get surrounded. They can come from from the Gulf. The the most uh, yeah. the more dangerous ones, I think, are come from uh, on the ocean side. Yeah, but. Mm-hmm. They generally come through the Bahamas first or something like that, right? Yeah. If they're coming up from there and they get a run at Florida, that's where yeah. it's going to be the dangerous one. Usually if they, they have to kind of do some maneuvering to make a, uh, you know, if they're coming up between Cuba and Florida to get into the Gulf, it's unusual that they make a, that kind of right turn into into the thing. That's why when they yeah. come, the ones that have the biggest impact um, are when they get a running start straight north yeah. into the yeah. Gulf, into Louisiana and into or New Orleans yeah. and yeah. Texas. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's I mean like that. But they're living living there, not having shutters, not having. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm sure that there's a checklist that you as yeah. a uh, you know a Winter Haven resident have to yeah yeah kind of make sure this isn't true and know a good repair guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, yeah. Well, in so 2006, when all the uh, with the the big two hurricanes came through in one uh, year. That was, the joke was that the uh, Florida changed the state flag to the blue tarp, <laughs> the blue tarp <laughs> material, because all the, all the roofs were covered in blue tarps or waiting, waiting for roofers to come and fix yeah. it. Yeah. That's yeah. like Norm, Norm Cunningham, you know, who, uh, you know, he's, had a really bad year, but he'll be back in free zone. But uh, you know, he's got a, uh, you know, he's got a, a dumpster depot. You know, so he yes. cleans up and everything like that. But the other thing is that he uh, he's a plywood uh, mer- merchant and provider. Yes. And uh, and so first of all, he gets paid for cleaning up the mess, and then he gets paid for selling people plywood so because they've got lots of windows yeah. and roofs and everything. All of it. And uh, uh, he came, I remember it was last, I think it was October of 19, and he came for his free zone, and he walked uh-huh. in, and he had sort of a smile on his face. And I said, oh, the uh, and I said um, this is sort of guilty season for you, isn't it, Norm? He says, yeah, I got to admit, I, I do love a really good hurricane every now. I do love a good hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah it's, really, uh, it's really interesting, you know, and uh, 
people say, why are you so interested in politics? And I said, uh, for my own safety, actually. I said, you know, for my I'm really, own safety. <laughs> oh, that's so great. I said, I'm an entrepreneur. I represent entrepreneurs. My whole life is, uh, yeah. uh, is devoted to entrepreneurism. And I said, uh, you know, a lot of them are exposed. A lot of them are, um, uh, you know, they're, they're in a dangerous position and they're not um, paying attention to it. So I said, I've got to be on the lookout for things to warn them about. You know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, and uh, so that that's really, uh, you know, that's why I came across and I said, well, Naz, you're an entrepreneur, you know, you're all, you're an entrepreneur. And, uh, you know, uh, you maybe uh, I don't know, maybe you have a game plan for this, but uh, I don't I, uh, I, I don't see where it's going because you're going to have right. to find another one. You're going to have to find another one in about six months after this one blows down. Right. Well, it reminds yeah. me of when when MC Hammer, way yeah. back in the, the 90s, when he was like, you know, can't touch this. When that was, you know, taking the world by storm, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with his puffy pants and his shiny suits and his dance moves and all of that, that once that died down, then his second act, he was having a hard time kind of getting that to that level again and thought that he would then switch it up and switch to switch to gangster rap and yep. signed with Suge Knight and death row records. And, uh, it just never, it was a total mismatch, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, it's one of the problems. Uh, you don't want to be, have the peak of your fame and wealth and career when you're 18 or 19 years old or 20 right. or 23 years old. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, and, uh, the, the, it's, a they're not, you know, it's kind of interesting because they're they're not in um, a sustainable. You know, they're 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 not in an industry where sustainability means anything. You know, right. it's uh, it's uh, you know, it's my short uh, entrance into the. You know, my, I had a short stay in the advertising industry, and uh, as someone who really likes to put down you know, foundation stones and build on foundation stones. It just struck me that there was an industry where you really couldn't do that. You know, this was not a occupation industry where you can build. uh, It favors luck. Mm -hmm. It really does. That's the thing, isn't it? It's really the, um, although, you know, it's an interesting thing happening right now in Nashville, there's a group in Nashville um, who are making waves on on TikTok um, called the 615 House. And this is 10 up-and-coming young country artist aspirants that are all living together in this mansion 
and creating content together, collaborating. It's just the collaboration house that they'll, they're giving, they're just creating fun content um, together. And it struck me that the interesting thing about it is that that's different enough that they're getting attention. Those mm -hmm. 10 as being part of that collaboration are getting more attention than any of the 10 individuals would be able to get yeah. among the thousands of people just like them in Nashville every day. Mm -hmm. Another, mm -hmm. you know, it's a, another good example for um, collaboration. I mean, another yeah. uh, opportunity, you know, they're combining yeah. their, they're combining their capabilities to have a bigger reach. Yeah, the, the interesting thing will be, um, you know. What um, comes. Well, what comes and uh, where, where the money is for them. Uh, I mean, right. um, I have a client, a 30-year client, actually. He's just past 30 years, and he runs a hedge fund here in Toronto, and he switched right. completely over to um, he's created a music, um, yes. music fund and uh, what they go looking for is if you think of the lawn tail yeah. you know, the, the model of the lawn tail well straight up line you know at the left hand if you're looking at it that the yeah. curve the lawn curve is going to the right then the straight up line that starts the curve well these are the superstars and uh, yes. you know uh, they're out of Paul, reach. Paul Simon just sold for $400 million. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 And, you know, I'm sure Paul Anka could do that, you know, like, you know, people uh -huh. who build up over the years and yeah, everything. And, and, yeah. And, uh, and, but what he's found is if you go down the curve to between, um, if you're going to the right and it's 20% to the right, and then you draw a line up to the curve and then you go to 40%. So there's this band between 20 and 40% on the lawn uh -huh. tail. And the, the characteristic of these musicians, and I'll just use a number that if they sell a thousand this year, five years from now, they'll sell a thousand. Okay. Uh, what they do is they develop a, um, they they developed a loyalty community that right. just follows them, you know. And they're not the they're not necessarily the big thing in this community, but they're right. always in this community. In other words, this this community will always buy their new stuff. And what they do is they approach them, you know, through their you know through their representatives, and they said, uh, uh, "How would you like to pre-sell the next?" you know, the next 15 years of your output, but we only want to buy about 30% of it. We don't want to buy a hundred percent of it. We want to buy 30% of it. And then the fund is about 20 different 30% that they've bought of artists like that. That's what the fund is. Yeah. Wow. So the first, first one, he, uh, he, you know, they basically invested about 20 million and they sold it to a much bigger musical Concern for about eighty million. Okay, so wow. about four times. 
and now he's going big because he's he's proven his record, and now he's got uh, better talent coming in yeah. who know the market. Um, you know, people who are um, you know influencers, and they have ears for yeah. you know for the whole music business. And he's probably getting in ten times as much investment right up front, where you know he had to, you know, he had to really put his own money in to yeah. start it. And now he he doesn't, and uh, he loves it. You know, he's uh, you know he's probably pushing seventy. And he said, you know, I hate the stock market. I hate stocks. I hate this, but I really like the music. He says, uh, yeah. He says, I, he says, I feel an emotional satisfaction of uh, doing this. And he said, the other thing is that um, it's kind of giving musicians a future. You know, it's kind of giving them a future. Right. Yeah. Wow, that's fascinating. And he's in Toronto? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's been in oh, the program wow. for 30 years. 30 years. Wow. Actually, actually, I've got three of them, and they went to graduate school together. They went, they got their MBAs together. One of them's in Calgary. Um, one of them's near Toronto, and he's in Toronto. But they went through graduate school together, and they all came in within about a year of each other into the program. And uh, yeah, and they've been, they've all been in for basically thirty years. That's fascinating. He seems. I'd love to meet him. Actually, it sounds like a great conversation. Yeah. The thought process behind everything. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, maybe man. one day I'll be able to come to Canada, Dan. Well, you put that on your on your bucket list. That's right. <laughs> I'm thinking 2022 is going to be the year. <laughs> well, we're uh, you know we're we're feeling that the in-person workshops are going to start later this year. Yeah, we'll, we'll, oh, we'll, you do? Probably, yeah. Oh, yeah. don't tell me that. Yeah, yeah, we think that, you know, uh, we'll probably be able to draw lots of our team back to the office by late summer. By late summer. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, Yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe Jacques. Maybe Jacques will come back. That would be... Um, I would, Look forward to well, a table Les, Les Alexold, Les Alexold. Yeah, I know you told me that. Yeah, buyer and Jacques hasn't been open since Christmas of nineteen. Right. That, but it's still there. I mean, the restaurant still sits. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. So I don't know what's going to happen there. And uh, anyway, it's interesting. Well, that's all we could say today. It is, but this. Um, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> we've got a new term to add to Cloudlandia and mainland. What's that? No man's land. No man's land. That's right. That's nobody wants to get stuck in no man's land. Yeah, because that's uh, of This is, uh, you know, the the um, phenomenon that allows us to talk about Cloudlandia is really a technological phenomenon, you know, and, yes. uh, but I have to tell you, uh, anything that disrupts things shows up as politics. Yeah. That's true. I mean, look at, uh, major league baseball. I don't know what they had in mind. They didn't have to say anything. 
Major League Baseball didn't have to say anything about what's going on in Georgia. Yes. And it's a stupid, stupid move. It's a stupid yeah. move. I mean, this is not the season to piss off half of your customer base. Right, exactly. Yeah, baseball, it's, that's another conversation because baseball's really made some kind of silly moves over the last, uh, you know, decade or so. Yeah. 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 Well, anyway, they, they fool around with the baseball. Just have one baseball. Don't make it hotter or colder or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, and, uh, you know, so it's, it, <laughs> it's, it's a game that rewards uh, just over the line cheating. Right. <laughs> as long as you don't get caught. Yeah. Yeah, not yeah. far enough along the line to get caught. Yeah. Anyway, right. I'm, I'm All right, Dan. eager for next week. I'm, I'm certainly Me too. eager for next week. All right. I will talk to you then. Thanks, Dean. Bye. Bye.